0: I think you're really going to like this episode of STEM, Insider Tips for Greenhouse Pros. I'm Bill Calkins, and our guest today is Dr. Todd Cavins. Todd was actually my second guest on STEM almost a year ago and shared tons of tips and advice for getting off to a great start with plugs and seed-raised young plants. If you missed the episode or hadn't started listening to STEM yet, I will put a link in the show notes. Well, Todd is back in episode 25 to talk about vegetative production, unrooted cuttings and liners, and how to start strong and work to ensure a top-quality, saleable crop with few to no losses. This is a very informative discussion where we cover topics including some ways to be prepared to receive and handle inputs, the importance of maintaining an optimal environment for cuttings, managing conditions that are less than ideal, and the overall life of a URC. He shares tips and tricks for creating a replicable process for your production team from high-tech systems for misting and computerized VPD to low-tech approaches like posting pictures and specs to get everyone involved in young plant production on the same page. We spend some time discussing what to do when things start to go wrong. In common times, the uh uh-ohs happen and a reminder to get back to the five factors of plant growth when challenges pop up. Todd ends by sharing specific crops that need to be treated differently, and also some of his favorite resources and go-to materials if you want to dig deeper into this critical topic. This is definitely an episode you'll want to share widely within your greenhouse team. But first, Connect Four, where we take a look at four points lining up to support one key topic. never a bad time to set goals. Maybe it's the beginning of a new year or new season. Perhaps you have a new business model, customer, or account, or a new team or set of employees, or a new facility or product line. Whatever the case may be, setting goals is a critical part of reaching the success you desire. Here are four key elements to setting goals. Attaining those goals is a whole different episode of Connect4, so watch for it. The first tip for setting strong and powerful goals is to evaluate and reflect. The only way we can reasonably decide what we want to accomplish and develop a roadmap to get there is to know where we are now and how we feel about it. So to begin with, spend time thinking about the current situation and making notes about how satisfied you are with it. This gives some objectivity to the exercise and establishes a baseline to start from. Next, it's time to define your goals, large and small. No matter what your business looks like, you certainly have strong thoughts about what it should look like. You have the ability to not only dream, but pursue those dreams and the ability to lay out a plan and strategies to achieve those goals. How are these dreams or goals defined? Well, it's not what you already have or what you've done, but what you want. Think big. Think about what really excites you when it comes to your business. What would you love to accomplish? What would you try if you were guaranteed to succeed? Write down your goals and try not to think of any as too difficult or crazy. Now, prioritize your goals. Which are most important? Which are most feasible? Put them in the order in which you will actually try to reach them. And remember, this is part of the path to achieving success. Third, I've got an acronym for you. Make your goals SMART. S-M-A-R-T. SMART means specific, measurable, attainable, realistic and time-sensitive. Specific. Don't be ambiguous. Make your goals clear and concise. Measurable. Always set goals that are measurable. If you can't measure success, you won't know when you've achieved it. Attainable. Nothing is more demoralizing than a goal that isn't really attainable. Realistic. The word origin is real, so think of it that way. Set real goals. Time. Every goal needs a time frame, and this is where you might break goals down into manageable chunks. The final chip in our game of Goal Setting Connect 4 is to have accountability. When someone, or even more importantly, your team, knows what your goals are, they help hold you accountable. A goal isn't as powerful if you have one or more people who can hold you accountable to it. Now that you have some tools in your toolbox for goal setting, let's get into this 25th episode of STEM where our goal will be to establish some critical knowledge to help you start strong when it comes to vegetative crop production. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Todd Cavins to STEM. Todd is one of our technical services experts at Ball Seed and has been helping professional growers solve greenhouse production challenges for more than 10 years in the field, and before that was a professor at Oklahoma State University. He earned his MS focused on cut flowers and flowering induction and his PhD in plant nutrition and soils, making him a perfect guy to talk about this episode's topic. With more than 15 years' experience traveling North America and around the world, working with growers of all shapes, sizes, and flavors, Todd's a trusted source when it comes to researching and advising on the real world problems that affect daily plant production. Today, Todd's here to talk about the early phases of vegetative URC and liner production, from proper care and handling to seeing a strong, healthy crop emerge for sale. Todd, welcome to STEM. Hey, thanks, Bill. It's great to be back. So I guess it's really a welcome back to STEM because you know, the listeners might remember a past STEM episode with Todd where he shared a ton of fantastic tips for getting off to a great start with plugs and seed-raised crops. So we're going to switch now to talk about the vegetative side of uh, the young plant business. And I will put a link to that original show on plugs in the show notes in case you missed it. So I'm really excited to uh, to talk to you today, Todd. Oh, well, yeah, know... good. Glad to be back. Cool. So I know you and the ball seed technical team travel far and wide you guys visit greenhouses and talk to growers of all shapes and sizes across north america and around the world can you start by sharing any big picture best practices related to vegetative uh young plants that our listeners can learn from right away or maybe some thoughts about previous season and any challenges you and the team ran into In the past year, so
1: oh, sure, absolutely. Well, I think you know this first piece of advice I have, I think, kind of applies to everything, but is absolutely critical uh, if we're talking about rooting vegetative lighters. And and I think you really you've got to kind of be a Boy Scout on this. You know, their motto is "Be prepared," and you've really got to be prepared because we've got a very fragile product coming in. Um, you know, it's it's essentially a plant part. I mean, it's not a plant. It doesn't have roots. You know, we've got in a dark box that we can't control the temperature very well on. So we've got to be prepared. And we've got to be ready to handle that when it comes in. So... You know, in my mind, when I talk about being prepared, there's some obvious things with vegetative uh, liner production when we're trying to get roots on these, uh, these young plant parts. Um, we're talking about a high moisture, warm area that is perfect for growing diseases, not just putting roots on the plant. So sanitation is the number one thing I always harp on when I talk about being prepared for vegetative liner production. You know, but you also got to think about other things, too. You know, are your containers there? Do you have the right soil there? And the big, big thing, you know, a lot of people are struggling with these these days in, uh, in, in horticulture production is people. So do you have the right staff there, the right number of people that can actually get these cuttings received, get them stuck, and get them out on the greenhouse bench? So those are kind of some things I always talk about being prepared when these when these liners come in. Now, as far as some of the things that we've seen in the past few seasons, Well, you know, from time to time, we do have some crop failures. We had a crop failure last season that had to do with, you know, one of our good suppliers on begonias, uh, but they had a disease outbreak uh, in their farms, which happens from time to time. So in that regard, I guess that was kind of the big theme last season was all of a sudden we had a, 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 you know, a significant class of plants that we had to go back out and find new sources for. So um, part of being prepared is to have a really good sales Team behind you and so you know the gang I work here with ball seed they're great. Uh, not only do we have the sales rep that's out there interacting with with our listeners out there, the customers, but behind them is a, a, a staff of office members that uh, really work hard to go out and, and when we do have these hiccups from time to time, they're out there finding the best possible crop they can at the best price. So having that sales resource team behind you is critical. Now, Bill, you and I are sitting here talking and it's it's week five. <laughs> and this is something that went back is starting to make me a little nervous of, of a few years ago. I heard the term on the weather, the polar vortex. And it sounds like here in week five that it's going to happen again. I just looked at the weather up in Winnipeg. The high is going to be negative 20 today, and that's in Fahrenheit, not in Celsius. So I I think either way, that's cold, right? (laughs) Whether it's minus 20 Celsius or Fahrenheit. I know in the upper Midwest, you know, we're talking about single digits and things like that. So this is going to be a big challenge for us, Um, you know, and about being prepared Um, You know, I talked about sanitation and making sure you had your soil and containers and all that. But we probably need to take a step further. Uh, we need to think about the transportation of these liners or uh, these unrooted liners that are coming in. You know, do you know where those liners are coming from? Are they coming from FedEx or UPS or some other courier? Uh, do you know the route? Do you know at about what time they're going to show up at your location? Are you sure that they're not going to drop them off on the step and that they're going to actually bring them inside so they're nice and protected? Um, So these are things we really need to think about. And in fact, I just saw an email a few days ago from our office staff that I was just referencing that are so great that they're working with our customers, you know, to help arrange some special pickups and deliveries uh, to try and avoid this cold weather. So, you know, one of the big problems in these URCs is those last few miles, those delivery trucks tend not to be climate controlled. And so we have some growers that are in these affected areas that are actually going to the UPS or fedex facilities and they're going to pick up their liners personally so that they can transport them in a climate controlled vehicle so uh you know mother nature she's always uh she's always uh, on our foref- the forefront of our mind here in this industry and in production and um it, she's knocking on her door here on week five so we ship young plants when it's icy out
0: and then we try to root them in the same condition that diseases grow what are we doing to ourselves,
1: man? You know, I don't know. Maybe we should all question our sanity. That's for sure. That is for sure. You know,
0: but you did mention that it, that it. you know, a lot of times it does come down to the people. There's people and plants and that continues to be a theme here on, on STEM. And I do like your term young plant parts because that's exactly uh, what we're dealing with here. So now that we've talked a little bit about the past seasons, some things that you've seen uh, come up um, here recently, let's let's shift and look ahead to this season. So when you talk about uh, vegetative um, crops in the early stages, can you start this discussion by sharing some basic tips and tricks that you've learned for getting off to a strong start with vegetative crops? And then, you know, I think you can go ahead and start from the very beginning, because, you know, as as we just discussed a lot of it can be in the in the transportation, in the care and receiving and handling of these these young plants like liners or unrooted cuttings right from the beginning of the game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's just go back to what we just mentioned with the concerns about the weather and receiving the product. You know, of course, it's 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 pretty obvious. You know, we don't want uh, these young young plants or young plant parts to freeze. Uh, so, you know, from that aspect, receiving an unrooted liner or rooted liner is pretty much the same. Uh, but there, you know, and there's some key things we can think about during this whole process. Um, obviously. Very very cold freezing temperatures are bad. Obviously, very very hot temperatures are bad as well. But so one of the things to consider as you're trying to maintain this what we would call the cold chain or, or a nice consistent temperature throughout this this time is we want we want to avoid peaks and valleys and temperatures and light and moisture. So. Just keep that in mind as we're receiving these cuttings, as we're receiving them off the truck, taking them in, moving them to a, our, our shipping or loading area, moving them into a maybe a sticking area and then into the greenhouse, we want nice and smooth transitions. We don't want to take them from a near freezing situation, you know, maybe where they just came off the truck. Stick them in soil and in 30 minutes have them out in a really warm greenhouse. That was too big and too fast of a transition. So think about nice even transitions. And again, that's not just with temperatures, but that's also with light and moisture and things like that. Um, <clears throat> also during this time, um, <laughs> as we mentioned, they're plant parts uh, on unrooted cuttings, URCs, right? so. One of the critical parts that's missing on that is the roots, and that roots are the main way that plants take up moisture. So it's really critical during this time that we think about moisture management Uh, of the URC. And really what we're talking about when we talk about moisture management is we're talking about preventing water loss because the plant has no way to take up water. And we'll talk about that too as we move the plants into the greenhouse. It's all about maintaining the environment around that cutting, around that URC to ensure that there's not too much water loss during this time. After we get roots on it, let's go ahead and let's start changing the environment uh, where we can drive water loss because that's how we're going to take up nutrients. But until we have roots, we don't want to do that. We want to maintain a high humidity area. Um, you know, one of the other ways I kind of think about this is I think about what is the life of a URC. So if we back up just a minute, uh, think about that. So we've taken this plant part, we've taken a stem of the plant, and we've cut it off its mother plant. <laughs> the farm is then taking it and they generally cool it down. They put it, in, you know, protect it from losing moisture. Maybe they put it in a bag or they wrap it in a moist towel or something like that. All these situations, uh, essentially from harvest till the time we get them, in fact, till the time we get them and when we get roots on them, all of this has kind of been you know, less than ideal situation for the plant. You know, there's, uh, you know, the lighting is pretty tough. You know, there's not the right amount of water. There's not the right amount of feed. So it really becomes incumbent on us as growers to provide that perfect environment to help these plants, you know, survive, thrive, and grow through these adverse conditions. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a little bit different way of thinking than than a normal plant. But if we're going to start moving into vegetative propagation, we've got to think about that differently. These are not plants; <laughs> they're simply just plant parts at this time.
0: It's interesting that that really, when you do think about that early life of that unrooted cutting, that the, all those conditions are really kind of challenging to that to that young plant, and um, which makes it, I think even more critical for growers to be prepared, be ready to start that that process in the greenhouse um, as strong as possible. So it sounds like this really is a process and something that can be learned, shared within a team or replicated to, I guess, set a grower up for good
1: results. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, like, Yeah, let's set the environment. Let's provide the best opportunity for these plants to survive and grow. One of the ways I like to think about it, you know, I kind of like to break this down a little bit. And uh, I know you've had Jason Tudell from ball floor plant on in the past, and I've picked up some great advice from him over the times. And I'm going to, I'm going to share some of his thoughts. And he talks about reducing the time from the box to the bench. So in all this, time we, in these last few minutes here, we've talked about, you know, less than ideal situations. The plants don't have roots on them. So let's work to smoothly and quickly transition the, these these plants from that shipping box to the bench. So reduce the time from the box to the bench as much as possible. And, you know, with those smooth transitions, that's one of the things I would I would you know, kind of share as a an overarching goal of this process of receiving and sticking unrooted cuttings. Um, you know, so share that goal with the team and make sure that they understand kind of the goal there. But you know, within these these processes, uh, within these multiple processes, there are a lot of details. So one of the things I like to share with the team as well, uh, and and you know, and in, in training and educating the team. And, you know, I like to post pictures. I like to post specs, um, you know, like what the the size the URC should be when it comes in. How deeply should I stick it into the soil? How deeply should the soil be dibbled and things like that? So I'm a big fan of posting this information. And that sounds maybe kind of elementary for a lot of us who have been around it. But keep in mind, I, I mentioned labor earlier on in the conversation about it's always a big concern. We tend... Uh, to, in, in this this industry now to have a pretty good a hefty turnover of people so there's a likelihood if you're in a situation where you're sticking your own cuttings you probably have a f- fair amount of labor overturn as well so we need to continually be training um, you know our staff and helpers um, i think it's critical in each one of those steps, whether it be receiving the product, whether it be on the sticking line, whether it be the team that's moving the product you know, from the sticking line to the greenhouses, anyway, each one of those processes, I like to have somebody that's dedicated to that process that's kind of the team leader that can keep the whole team on target. And one of the things I also like to do, too, is, uh, you know, as we as we start to think about this, as we I talked about dibbling and sticking the plant and getting it out to the greenhouse, this is where I really start thinking about my greenhouse systems. And they don't have to be extravagant or fancy or expensive necessarily, but really think about it. if you're going to move into vegetative product, production, let's think about getting a really good misting system. And I'm talking about um, mist nozzles, you know. And this, in vegetative production, the first few days that we're out there under the, on the bench, where their plants are generally under mist. And the goal of that mist is to maintain the humidity above the crop, because remember, we don't have roots on it. So we're not misting to water the soil, we're misting to maintain the humidity above the crop so the plant doesn't lose that moisture. So think about that mist system. I really am a fan of the vapor pressure deficit systems that are out there. Um, that's what a lot of the big rooting stations use because they can computer program it, then they use a sensor to monitor the humidity in the air versus the humidity in the plant, and they can tailor their misting programs where they provide uh, you know, a pretty good an ample source of mist early on the first few days and then gradually taper that off as the plant starts to develop roots. So I like the VPD system. There are also solar systems out there. And then again, the mist nozzles, we want a nice fine mist out there so that we're not getting big droplets of water where we're irrigating the soil versus maintaining the humidity in the air. So those are some of the things I like to think about and kind of that next step as we train people, get them all on the same goal and make sure we have a good production system and equipment in place.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And you talked about some of the more, you know, high tech system side from the misting nozzles to a computer program, BPD. But you also talked about um, posting pictures and specs and sort of having a physical or tangible, um, you know, I guess, goal or visual goal. Have you have you seen this in action? Have you seen good examples of this out, out in the out in greenhouses when you visit?
1: Absolutely, I have. And, uh, you know, whether it be, um, you know, key points written on a marker board or some pictures that are laminated and stuck up in critical areas, such as the sticking area or, or the transplant line or things like that, it's really, it's really incumbent upon us as the managers and supervisors and head growers of the greenhouse to provide some of these simple communication tools. Mm-hmm. We can't assume that everybody understands that, you know, plant production. You know, we always talk about there's an art form to growing plants, and there really is. But there's also a lot of really simple things that we can share um, that, you know— a, a picture's worth a thousand words kind of in, in this scenario. So think about that. Work in some pictures and a few bullet points. If you can get a point explained in three to five bullet points, you know, I think we can go a long way into that quality control, quality assurance program uh, where we have good consistent production throughout the entire season. I think that's really critical.
0: It, that That's great advice. And, it, you know, I'm thinking back to an episode I did with Will Healy where he talked about you know, irrigation and water management, a lot of those same tips to keep your team on the exact same page so that it, it you know, sort of simple and concise uh, visual um, references. So that, no, I, th- I think that's that's good stuff.
1: Yeah, that's right. You've got to all speak the same language. That mm-hmm. language doesn't have to be English or Spanish or whatever language is spoken in your greenhouse. It has to be the language of the plants and what the plants need. So we can do that with pictures quite well. Awesome. So, what if things start to go wrong? Because you know,
0: there, there's a lot of uh, uh, technical expertise required to start these young plants um, as strong as possible. How can growers start to? I guess spot a sign of trouble before it's too late. I'm gonna leave this wide open because <laughs> I personally can't even begin to get into all the possible pinch points in young plant production.
1: Oh yeah. This is this is actually quite interesting and fun. You know, as as a, a person who goes around and tries to help solve problems, improve practices and things like that, it's interesting to find out when these uh oh's happen, so to speak. <laughs> and And we've kind of found a repeating theme. You mentioned Will Healy. He and I work very closely together visiting rooting stations and blood growers. And we share some notes. We share notes from time to time. (laughs) And there's two times that most problems seem to occur. So in vegetative liners, one of the big problems, and it actually happens with sowing seeds as well, it's lunchtime. (laughs) Now you're going, well, what does lunch have to do with plants? Well, it's that break time. You know, the workers have been hard. They've been sticking plants all morning or sowing seeds all morning. And when it comes to lunchtime, Sometimes you know they kind of just stop what they're doing and they go take their lunch. And everybody needs break time, and and you know we need to make sure our workers have great conditions to work in so they're happy and productive. But we also need to make sure that they understand that when it comes to lunchtime, we either need to ramp up, slow down. We we need to find that stopping point and make sure that any URCs that aren't stuck yet, maybe they're sitting out ready to go on a bench uh, or ready to be stuck. So. What are we doing with those guys at lunchtime? Are we covering them back up to make sure that they aren't losing moisture? Because remember we said, hey, these guys don't have roots. They're constantly losing moisture, so we've got to prevent them from doing that. You know, if they did get stuck and they're in a tray, are they sitting out here on a cart? And, you know, just that 30-minute lunch break, uh, an unrooted cutting that's not under mist, you know, for the first 24 to 48 hours, intense sunlight comes out. They can really dry out really fast in just that short amount of time. So think about break time, lunch time. That's when we see a lot of these problems that occur. Um, So that's one time I I look to to say when are problems going to happen. The other time problems tend to happen is weekends. And the reason why, again, our workers need breaks. and need time off. Uh, most of us, you know, this time of year, we're, we're working six to seven days a week, and hopefully you can find a time to schedule a day off for yourself. But each of your workers, uh, you know, they need some time off, even though this is the crazy time of year. But weekends is when somebody tends to take off and somebody else is filling in their role. Well, maybe they don't completely understand the needs of a special crop or what actually happened. So to me, these weekends, we need to do some extra cross training. We need to share notes and we need to share expectations when somebody else is going to come in and watch over a certain area for the weekend. So lunch times and weekends, that's when the problems start to happen. Um, you know, some of the things to think about, you know, if there is a problem, how does, how does somebody go about figuring what actually happened? So look to these transition points when somebody filled in, you know, we aren't pointing fingers at necessarily that the person who did uh, come in to fill in because, Hey, they did a great job helping the team out. But uh, you know, look to those, but then think about what the plants need. You know, plants basically need five factors to grow. They need good light. So that's light quantity and duration. Uh, They need the right temperature, they need the right water content, they need nutrition, and they've got to have good air circulation or gas exchange. So I always go back to those five factors if there is something that occurred and try to figure out what happened. So the lunchtime scenario I mentioned, you know, people went to lunch, they left the URCs out on the sticking line, and they didn't get them covered up. Well, I can go back to what causes a plant to thrive and grow. And I know at that point, you know what? It was probably the lack of water or the lack of protecting it from losing water that caused those plants to deteriorate. So, um, yeah, go back and look at those five factors of plant growth. And one of the other things you can do as well, think about this as you're sticking and moving things out to the greenhouse. Think about grouping your plants together by their by their needs so as you get into vegetative liner production um, a lot of the breeding companies ball floor plant for instance they will give you priority sticking list they will give you uh, plants that you can group together by misting group where they need a high medium or low amount of mist so think about grouping those plants together because if you group them together by mist here in the early stages of growth we can really prevent a lot of these uh, pinch points or, or areas where things can go wrong. Another thing I want you to consider at this time as well, <laughs> we mentioned earlier in our conversation, you know, uh, this is a perfect uh, environment for growing diseases. So, um, you know, really having a good scouting program, having a good preventative fungicide program. Um Vegetative liner production. Putting roots on a plant is not a time to skimp on the fungicide applications. So I'd encourage you to work, uh, you know, with uh, with whoever you might be in it. And again, I know you're going to hand out my contact information at the end of this uh, conversation. But work with somebody who can help you out getting a fungicide rotation program because we need to both protect the foliage. And those roots that are about to start to grow as well. So um, don't skimp on on, on, that, on that. This at this time of production, there's just no room for error on that.
0: Wow, you just gave us a ton of good information from the times to keep an eye on. You know, being lunchtime and breaks, and on the on weekends especially. To I think that your five factors of plant growth are, is is a great reminder for everybody. When you when you start to see problems or when you think you might have a problem, go back to the, those five: light, temperature, water, nutrition, and air circulation. Um, I, I think that uh, th- those are fantastic uh, bits of advice, and you know, they're hopefully you don't run into trouble. But if you do, check those uh, those times and in those five factors. So. Hopefully, at this point, the crop is on its way to healthy growth. Um, you're past your lunch breaks and past uh, your weekends, and you're on your way to a successful sale. So, do you have any final advice for growers as they as they get started with these vegetative inputs? You mentioned a few, but any? How about um, how about some common problem crops or or tips for producing them? I know that you mentioned that your uh, your your young plant uh, provider might give you priority sticking lists and and things like that how about some crops you've seen uh, challenges with or any bits of final advice
1: yeah let me let me give you uh, give one other bit of information here earlier I mentioned you know reduce the time from box to the bench. I think before we move into, you know, some maybe problem crops or different things to think about, I think at this stage, once we get this plant, the URC stuck into the soil and we have them out of there under the mist, the next thing we need to think about is getting them out of the mist as soon as possible. So we want to optimize that time. So um, while it's critical... We don't want to leave the plants under the mist any longer than we need to. So once you start to see root initials developing, you know, the mist really needs to be pulled back when we've got roots to the edge, we've essentially got a functioning plant again. So uh, get those plants out of mist as soon as practical. As far as problem crops, well, I don't know if I call them problems. I would say some plants need to be treated differently. To me, there's kind of three kind of categories and again you can break this down further and further and and like i said uh, there are priority sticking list and and rooting groups and and things like that that are available uh, from the breeding companies but i i kind of break it down into the tropical type the annual bedding plant types then i kind of move over into this next section which i call the silver fuzzy crops Um, things like lavender helichrysum things like that this is a group of plants that really doesn't like wet foliage and so I've been moving here the past few years and we've been moving to putting the putting these crops underneath tents. Uh, so I like to use reme or cheesecloth and then mist over the top of that. That way it maintains that really high humidity that we're trying to, to provide so that the URCs don't lose water during this time, yet it keeps the foliage dry. So that's one of the groups of plants that I think needs a little extra special attention to. The other groups is perennials. I would say in general, perennial crops tend to need a little less mist than annual crops. And I really actually like this tinting idea that I just suggested for lavender for your other perennials as well. Um, You know, I may hydrate them really well the first 24 hours with mist, but after that, I may move them into a tinted area where I keep the foliage a little bit, where I keep the foliage drier, but still maintain that humidity. So those are some, some of the, you know, I guess, as I think about grouping crops and, and, and treating them a little bit differently, I would kind of look at those three categories as well. And I would think
0: that remay or cheesecloth is a pretty inexpensive solution for keeping, you know, the, the moisture off these, off these crops. Right.
1: It, it's not expensive at all, especially when you consider how costly it is to have a a liner die on you in production and, and the replacement cost to get the, a new liner in and, and and a delay in your 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 own production or your customer's production. So it's really a low cost investment that we've seen work really well.
0: Awesome. Well, you know. Thanks so much for all this great information. I think we're going to, we're going to wrap it up, um, on vegetative production and, uh, hopefully, uh, everyone's going to be staying warm out there this time of year, Todd, I, all of our listeners can benefit from the information you shared for best practices at this extremely critical stage of the game for new growers. I think the importance of starting strong can't be overstated. So this is an episode that you're going to want to share with your entire production team. So, Todd, if, if our listeners want to get in touch with you with any specific questions, um, you talked a little bit about, you know, fungicide regimes and things like that. But any anything related to starting uh, starting off, off these crops in the greenhouse, what's the best way to get in touch? And do you have any resources that, that you go to or that you suggest for growers uh, who well, want to dig into this topic?
1: Sure. Well, one of the things I always recommend is to reach out to your ball seed sales rep first. So get in contact with them. You can also call our Ball Horticulture Company offices in West Chicago there. uh, During the peak season, we have a phone line, a hotline that's maintained for technical resources. So we have a couple of people that can answer questions that way. The easiest way to get a hold of me is my email, and that's tcavins at ballhort.com. And if you'll post that up there, that way people can see that. Um, So those those are three uh, or a couple of good resources there to get a hold of us and see if we can't help out from a, uh, from an Kind of entertaining and training perspective, Ball Floor Plant TV. Um, if you go to Ball Floor Plants webpage, you know, and that's the that's the vegetative breeding company within Ball. Um, they have these TV episodes, and it's called Building a Better Liner. So, if you want a really good overview and entertaining training uh, opportunity for you for you and for your staff, go check out the Growing a Better Liner series from Ball Floor Plant TV. There's also a couple of uh, you know uh, newsletters and things that you can subscribe to. One that I subscribe to to kind of get research updates. Um, you know, so maybe that's a little too far for most people, but. There's a group of uh, university researchers that does a really great job of taking all this research out there and distilling it down and making it very usable and crunchy for us in the the industry and in the greenhouses. And that's through the eGrow network, so e-Grow, G-R-O. Uh, Again, that's a group of university uh, professors that do a great job giving out information. They have a website. They have newsletters. It's just really great. And think about this. The American Hort, you know, one of our leading uh, industry groups, um, they are putting on a plug and cutting conference this September in Charlotte, North Carolina. So if you're, whether you're new, thinking about getting into vegetative seed liner production or you're advanced there's gonna be something for everybody at that conference. It's a small conference. Um, you know. There's only gonna be a couple of hundred people there, but it's really a, a focused conference where we do a lot of discussion and seminars um, just on producing plugs and liners. And so it's a great resource and opportunity to learn more about this.
0: And it makes sense that was such a critical part of the the whole growing process of, of young plant production that there would be these great dedicated resources. I will put links to well. I'll put the ball, uh, the hotline. I'll put Todd's email address. I'll put links to BFP TV, and the Egro Network newsletter, and American Hort Plug and Cutting Conference in the show notes um, for listeners to follow up and uh, dig into those resources. So, Todd, thank you so much for all of this fantastic information, and I know that it's going to help um, help all of our listeners. Uh, get off to a a fantastic start, and really start strong with these vegetative plants. Now you know some of the tried and true ways to ensure success with these young plants. Again, thank you so much, Todd.
1: Thank you, Bill. Grow happy, everybody.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to STEM, insider tips for greenhouse pros. And special thanks for helping us surpass 6,500 downloads in early 2019. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to give it a good rating on your podcast player, or better yet, write a quick review. This will help expose more potential listeners to STEM. We really appreciate the support. I'm Bill Calkins, and you can always reach me by email at bcalkins at ballhort.com. B-C-A-L-K-I-N-S at B-A-L-L-H-O-R-T dot com or on Twitter at Bill Calkins. Be sure to follow Ball Seed on LinkedIn for tons of B2B content related to STEM topics, timely technical tips, and more. And now you can follow STEM Greenhouse Podcast on Instagram. That's STEM Greenhouse Podcast all one term. For behind-the-scenes looks, sneak peeks, and all sorts of good stuff. So let's end this episode with a quote from the goals guy, Gary Ryan Blair. A ferocious concentration and fanatical execution is what you need to finish strong.